If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? <laughs> mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's modern mom problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I am your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing over here, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Today, we're going to be talking about the mom life with my good friend, Linda Fruits. Linda Fruits is not just your average mom. She is... Well, I'd like to call her, she's the average relatable mom with a sense of humor and a big heart. Her goal has always been to make new and even seasoned moms feel better about themselves through the hardest parts of motherhood. She's a writer, a full-time content creator, and now the author of the new book, The Mom Life, The Sweet, The Bitter, and The Bittersweet Fruits of Motherhood. Linda Fruits, welcome to the show. What an introduction. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here, Tara. I'm so excited that you're here. We've been friends for years. I literally don't even know how long we've been friends. Probably since I started. So I think we're going on like our five-year anniversary now. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Five years. Oh my gosh. And you know what? You're similar to me in as much as you have a name that people say together in like one breath, Linda Fruits. I'm Tara yeah. Clark. I've always been that girl that people say her first and last name, and you are also that same person. I love how you can relate to that. It's like a whole personality thing. Yeah, it is. And that's why when I got married, I actually didn't change my name because I was like, but I'm Tara Clark. I've always been Tara Clark. Yeah. You're like, I can't not be Tara Clark. Like, I cannot be Linda Fruits. Like it just, it is who I am now. Yeah. It's just who you are. So speaking of who you are, tell everyone who you are and what you do. So I started the Instagram Fruits of Motherhood kind of on a whim. It actually used to be called Mom Gang when I first started so, so long ago. And- wow. I found out that was trademarked. So, you know, I had to come up with something original. And given that my last name truly is Fruits, everyone's like, please, that has to be a stage name. I'm like, nope, it's legit. If I had to pick any last name in the whole world, I'm not so sure I would have landed on Fruits, but now it is part of me. But yeah, so I started this Instagram kind of anonymous at first and then was saying things that maybe a lot of people weren't saying online at the time, you know, I was struggling as a mom and I was putting it out there and not that I hate my kids, right? Like we all have to give this like disclosure, 
I mean, disclaimer, you know, that motherhood was challenging and that's two different things. But yeah, so that's me. <laughs> it's you in a nutshell. Help, I'm stuck in this nutshell. Get me out. It's literally uh, called motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of motherhood, you just wrote a gorgeous new book. I'm holding it up here. It's called The Mom Life. Congratulations. It's amazing. So it's much. beautiful. You. Did you illustrate it in addition to writing it? So not only did I illustrate it and write it, I also did the page layout as well. Wow. Like I literally touched the whole thing. And then I also just recorded the audiobook. And it's it's kind of funny. Originally, I didn't want to do the cover for my book. It felt so intimidating. And I just kept, you know, they were sending me like concepts and stuff. I'm like, damn it. I just have to do it myself. <laughs> I mean, have a graphic design degree, you know, but I was just a little intimidated by it. And so, yes, I ended up literally every piece of that book is every piece of me. It is like your heart. It's like all the little pieces of your heart put out there on the pages. And it's true because I've read it. I read it cover to cover. And like I said, it's incredible. What inspired you to write it? Why did you think like, I need to put this out there to the world? Well, since my Instagram blew up organically, just because I was saying things that maybe people were too afraid to say, and especially publicly on social media, felt like more people needed like an in-depth reasoning as to, you know, like my individual tweets, like they're a sentence, maybe two. And that's not enough to really cure the ache that can come with motherhood, especially when you're a new mom. And so I wrote the book that I needed as a new mom and that... I wrote the book that I wanted other moms to have as new moms so they didn't have to struggle the way I struggled. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, I mean, I say that so often about modern mom probs too. It's like I was putting the content out there that I needed to see and have the conversations that I wasn't able to have when my son was born 10 years ago or when I had pregnancy loss, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So like you're putting it out there because you know that you're not alone. So you're not the only one that would want to hear those stories. And it's true. Look at that. I mean, here you are now, five years later, hundreds of thousands of followers, you know, follow you and hang on every word, hang on every video that you do. And and I'm so grateful that you do because I adore you. And that's why we're here chatting today. And that's why we've been friends for like five years. Absolutely. Yeah. We are definitely two peas in a pod. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and it's interesting that you say about the tweets because it's, you know, it's one sentence, two sentences about motherhood. And that's how I feel about social media, especially lately in general, right? Like we're doing seven second videos about motherhood, Yeah. which yes, they can be thought provoking, but it's not as deep as having a 40-minute conversation of on a podcast, right? That we're going to sit here and like really talk about, like you said, the sweet, the bitter, the bittersweet parts of, of motherhood. And you had a podcast as well, right? Yeah. Yep. And you had <laughs> incredible guests on your podcast. Thank you. Yeah. I need to actually start it back up. It's something that's on the list for this year. Well, first worry about the book and all of that kind of stuff, and then you could worry about the podcast again. But but I think you're right, right? I mean, I'm sure you found as a podcaster, like, you have to have those conversations together versus, like I said, a one tweet or a seven-second reel or TikTok or something like that. I think that's good to get, like, this conversation started, but it just needs to go deeper. Yeah, and, like, so a lot of moms, they would comment or message me, like, how do you do it? How do you find yourself? How did you regain your life back? You know, just, like, all of these questions. And, yes, I can't answer that in a message, right? 
It's not just a two sentence, three sentence, four sentence answer. And so that's why the book, that's why I think it's like 26 chapters, which I should know that number, but you know, 26 chapters on it. And it truly is like my deepest feelings on the topic. 26 chapters. Yeah, let me. That's a lot. No, I just looked. It is. It's 26 chapters. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm all about like real facts here. On on Modern Mom Probs, we have hard hitting news and real facts. It is 26 chapters. Checking it real time. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get my my stat people on that. No, I'm just kidding. And it is. It's 235 pages. Like that's a legit book. And, And you shared your legit thoughts on all of it. And in one part, I really enjoyed you talk about how motherhood taught you to stop people pleasing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got goosebumps. That's like the biggest deal for me. How? Teach us your magical ways. Yeah. So when, I guess before children, I guess I was a people pleaser and I didn't really realize it. But once I had kids, I realized how often I had to put myself and my let's say newborn or, you know, children before other people. And more importantly, me putting myself before other people. So I wouldn't get invited to dinners or parties or something during nap time. And for me and my postpartum anxiety that I had with my first, I had to say no, because like I was alone a lot. I raised my first child basically alone. My ex at the time, he was working, you know? And so for me, nap time and schedules were what made me most comfortable. And it wasn't, I wanted to be there. And I knew that people wanted me to be there, but I still had to say no, because it, it was it was up to me to decide what I needed for that day. And it was, I always respect people who are like, sorry, I can't go. It's nap time. I'm like, good for you. Yes. I agree. I wish I was better about that because I found, especially when my son was younger, like to be more of a people pleaser and be like, yeah, that really screws up our sleep schedule, but all right, I'll see you at two o'clock. I just didn't know any different. Like if it took him, I would go out to lunch, be home like 15 minutes late and it would take him longer to fall asleep. And I'd be like, you know, blaming myself and all this stuff. But that was the anxiety. But the people pleasing was like, okay, I know that that's not going to work for me, which means it's not going to work for my child, which means we have to say no. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it is so good. My husband's better about that than I am. He is not a people pleaser at all. So he rubs off on me in that That's way. Wonderful. And so I'm, I'm getting better. It's taking a long time, but yeah. I'm definitely getting better. I feel like, especially when it's hard when your child is first born with your family, right? With like in-laws or your parents or that kind of stuff. Because like you're trying to be willing to please and so that everyone can see the baby and that you're going to try to make it to Christmas dinner and all of that kind of stuff. But like sometimes you just have to say no. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And actually my ex, he is the opposite. He is the one who's always saying yes. And then, so, you know, I had to turn to him and be like, that's not going to work for us. It's not going to work for me. These are the reasons why, Uh (laughs) you know, give him my full dissertation on why we cannot go to dinner that Friday night, you know, and it just evolved and spilled over into other aspects of my life. Like I don't want to go out, let's say one night and stay up all night because I know I got to wake up early and you know, it's just, yeah, no is really powerful. It really is. That, like, if we could teach all of the moms out there one key takeaway, it would be the power of no. Yeah. And also, like, after my second child, because I made that mistake 
with having everyone over, me barely sleeping, me trying to look put together when people would come over to see the baby. And my second child, you know, that was, I didn't learn no yet because there's nobody visits after like three months anyways. It's just like- It's true. It was just the first two weeks and then that's it. Nobody cares. And it's like the worst two weeks for people to come visit. I'm like bleeding and farting Mm -hmm. and it's just like, please don't come. But so with the second child, I even said, I don't want no visitors in the hospital. I don't want anyone coming over afterwards. I want to sleep the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Preach. I am so with you on that. We had visitors the very first day that my son was born and then not again. And then we were actually, I was the C-section or he was a C-section and then he was in the NICU for a little while. So we were in the hospital from a Tuesday to a Friday. And that also included Thanksgiving day. That Thursday was Thanksgiving day. Uh, and that we only had visitors that first day and then that was it. And so yeah. it, was, it was quiet. It was and nice. it's, very, it's very interesting. Like, is it the, I get that everyone wants to see the baby, but it, it's like such a fragile time as a new mom. Yes. It's not very helpful. No. <laughs> Let's just like that. No. You know, like if you're going to come over and visit someone who has a new baby, let it be in their home. You better be bringing food. Mm-hmm. You better be bringing wine. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this is a hard time. And like that's really the community that I feel like we miss out on today is like that help. We need help. And we're going to say no, especially if we're a new parent, which is, you know, saying no to help is like a different version of the no that you don't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot. It is. And especially – when it's your first, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so you almost like don't even know to ask for help because it's all so new. At least that was the case for me. Yeah. Like I said, my, my son was born the week of Thanksgiving and four weeks later we hosted Christmas. <laughs> and I'll never forget that day because it is seared into my brain and I didn't want to. And we did. And we lived in New York City at the time. So we're in this like little apartment and we had people over and they all brought food. So I shouldn't say I didn't cook, but I still had to entertain and clean the house and then clean the house afterwards. And yeah. I remember after my after everyone left, my one husband's friend Andrew was there. And I was like, guys, I can't. I literally, I just, I just can't. I like had a total fit. I was like, I cannot do this. I am four weeks postpartum and I had a C-section and there are people in my house and the, you know, I'm getting used to the baby. And that was like one of the single hardest days that I think we had. And be, you know why? It's because I didn't have the confidence or feel empowered enough to say, no, I don't think it's a great idea to host Christmas four, four weeks, weeks later. later. <laughs> and so that was, that was my, that was a real teachable moment for me. As to say, like, you have to stand up for yourself and you have to stand up and advocate for your own little individual family. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking, as you say that, like, when people get really hurt in, like, the hospital or whatever, for the most part, you don't have, like, 20 people showing up, you know? They sign your cast after you get home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And childbirth is no vacation. <laughs> no, it's not. And you're right. Everyone's there like coming to hang out and stuff. And you're like, okay, I'm good. I mean, I guess it depends on your family dynamic, but for, yeah. for us and our family, we're like, nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. I remember in the hospital with my first, I had like five people in my room. I could not get the baby to latch on my boob. And so I'm like walking around in my diaper, in my robe, trying to get the baby. My boob is out. Uh, you know, it's just like, 
the opposite of like an intimate moment. And I was nervous, you know, because I had all these people watching me. And at the time I felt like I was failing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yeah. More, you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the failure that kind of goes with breastfeeding, especially in the very beginning was so high. I don't think that I've ever felt more like a failure that first day when I was trying to do it and it just simply wasn't working. And the lactation specialist, actually that wasn't even the lactation specialist. It was just a regular nurse. She like grabbed my boob and she squeezed it so hard and she like shoved it in the baby's mouth. And I was like, this really hurts. It hurts because like she was squeezing it so hard. And I was like, there, this is it. This is, this is what this is it. This is how it's like, I don't want to do this. It was so hard. And then it got easier over time. And then eventually, you know, I always tell my, my breastfeeding story because it's like, that was how it started. Right. And like, I feel like I couldn't do it. And then I got home and I had postpartum anxiety. And so I was pumping to be able to see how much milk was coming out so that I could like feed my son the bottle. So I knew that he was getting four or five ounces, whatever it was. Cause like you couldn't see it when you nurse. You're like, I don't know, maybe he's starving to death. I'm not really sure. I know, I felt the same way. Right. And so I was like, I pumped so I could see it and I nursed him. And then when he was three months old, we actually went down to Miami and it's, you know, so hard traveling with babies sometimes. And so then we introduced formula. And so we were like nursing and pumping and feeding formula. And then we did that for, you know, a long time. And then ultimately he ended up being an extended breastfeeder and then nursed until he was two and a half years old. Wow. It was crazy. So we did everything. I literally say I I did it all. I wasn't like just committed to to one thing. And so he tried it all. That's for sure. And now he refuses to eat any kind of food. So (laughs) (laughs) what does it matter? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's a he's a big chicken nuggets, French fries kind of guy. My son too. My son too. So you try to do all the right things and ultimately they're going to end up going one way or the other. The the other food that he does eat, he is a selective eater. So I I shouldn't like totally like rag on him, but he loves grilled chicken and broccoli. So he's either eating chicken nuggets and French fries or grilled chicken and broccoli. Those are like his two things. Yeah. We're just on the, like the kid's menu at every restaurant that's what my kid eats. It's like the cheeseburger, the chicken nuggets, the mac and cheese, the corn dog, the pizza. Yeah, that's it. That's it for a while. When my son was very little, probably like your younger son's age, yeah, he was on what we called a two-pack-a-day habit, uh-huh. and he was eating a pack of blueberries a day. <laughs> he was consuming such an astronomical amount of blueberries that like one time his poop was like blue because yeah, like, all he was goodness. eating was blueberries. So he was on a pack a day habit, but we, we broke him of that. And now ironically, he won't even touch a blueberry. So that's just how that goes. Yes. So when you had kids, I'm going to talk about you as a person now. Did you feel that you really came into your own as a mother? I don't want to say the first time, <laughs> but the <laughs> second time. Yeah. The first time. No. <laughs> yeah. You had to have the little guy and then you were like, okay, now. Yeah, I think because I had postpartum anxiety, I was still like working through that. And I decided that I wanted to have a second child, which looking back, I have no idea why. <laughs> but, you know, I had baby fever and then we had my second baby and it was like, oh, this is what motherhood is supposed to feel like. Mm. Like, Everyone talks about it feeling so natural. 
uh, like riding a bike, you, you know, like it's supposed to be the most natural thing you could ever do as a woman. And my first experience was the polar opposite. It was jarring, kind of traumatizing. I loved my son, but my role is what I was struggling with the most and how to care for him and make sure I was doing the best. And then my second child, he shows up like literally smiling as I'm pushing him out. And I was like, this is, this is motherhood. This is love. This is, I didn't have postpartum anxiety, thank goodness. And I could appreciate him because I couldn't, my first, I wanted him to grow up. I was so nervous about him choking and dying and SIDS and, you know, like all the things. All the things, all you the know? things. Also yes. not eating enough, like all these pressures I was putting on my first. And then my second, I was like, you're going to be just fine. I'm going to be fine. We got this. Like we, you know, and you can see, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but the difference in my two kids, they were raised by totally different mothers. Yeah. Interesting. I I could see how that would be the case. I mean, obviously all children and all people have different different temperaments, right? They're born with different temperaments. But Mm -hmm. I, I could see that is that, you know, the anxiety in one level may have been raised, whereas the other one was a little bit more relaxed and intentional. Well, and also with my first, with the anxiety, like we were doing all the things, right? Going to the restaurants, going to the dinners. This is before I learned to say no a little bit later. But with my second, it was COVID and we didn't have to leave the house. And in some weird way, that pressure to constantly be on or performing or taking him was gone. And it was in a weird way, like very liberating for me as a mom. Like, we're just going to be here in the house doing the things. I'm going to have all the stuff I need. I don't need to pack and stress. Like, cars were really hard with me in my first. Like, he cried the whole time. Of course, that made me a nervous wreck. (laughs) Yeah, of course. How could it not, right? Yeah. And so with my second, it was just so calm. Like, everything felt calmer. And I, you know, it was, it's a reflection, right? Him and I both felt calm. That's a really good point. It's really insightful because I think that's true. I mean, even now, right? They're toddlers now, more or less. And so do you find that that's the case even now? That like if you're toned down, they're toned down? Absolutely. And because, you know, my second, in some weird way, it just, I feel like he really completed us as like a little family. We need him because when days are hard, we need him to be the class clown. (laughs) You know, he really- balances us. And so for that, you know, like as a family, we really, you know, we have our ups and downs just as all families do, but it's, it feels like the it's balanced. I've been trying to work on mindfulness with my son by introducing him to meditation techniques. And in doing this, I realized, you know, Tara, you could really benefit from meditation too. What else is a better way to start good habits than by modeling them, right? So I started listening to the Women's Meditation Network. It has all different types of podcasts, from anxiety meditation to sleep to morning meditation. Personally, I really enjoy the daily affirmations because they're just about 10 minutes long, which is just right for me and my schedule. Whether you're an experienced meditator or you're just getting started, check out Women's Meditation Network wherever you listen to podcasts. No, 
that that totally makes sense. Yeah. Now, in in your work, you talk a lot about like losing your identity as a oh, yeah. mom, and I want to dive into that because that's a whole like sequel to your book. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah, it is. Hopefully, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Linda Fruits losing herself in motherhood. So, along with not realizing how to say no. <laughs> in the beginning, right? And then actually gaining the power of no came along with really not wanting to do things I didn't want to do. You know, like that power of saying no, I was aware of like, this is a hard no, that's a hard no. And one of those hard no's was like sleeping with my husband at the time. (laughs) That's okay. You could say it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's like, it sucks, you know, like, you know, the story of like how it happened, but obviously we're on amazing terms. So he's fine with me saying that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have worked it out now. So you're allowed to say this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I realized the power of no was also, no, I didn't want to sleep with my husband any longer. Like I kept trying and trying. We would have date night and I would blame it on breastfeeding. Cause when you're breastfeeding, apparently like, you know, you don't want to have sex. And then also afterwards, I just felt touched out. And so I I did all the things, all the checklists, like put the kids in daycare, started taking time for myself. Like I did all the things that was supposed to make me feel better. I started working out. I started put them in daycare, you know, just like all the things. And it still was a hard no. And I just all of a sudden had time to myself as well for the first time ever during COVID, you know, working from home, my kids were in daycare. It was like me and myself and I learning about who I am again. Up until this point, as a young woman, I feel like we're pushed through school. We have to decide what we want to do with our lives. And we're, we are people pleasing. At least I sure was. I felt like I was on a conveyor belt, just like pumping it out, need to find a husband, need to get married, buy a house, do the things. And for the first time, none of that was clouding my mind. And I had a lot of time to be on TikTok. And so all of a sudden, I started finding myself watching what they call uh, lesbian talk. And it's just kind of funny how TikTok knew I was a lesbian way before I did. (laughs) (laughs) And as you know, with TikTok, what you watch, they continue to show you. And so I kept sending videos to like my best friends and I'd be like, she's hot, right? Like, it's not just me. And they'd be like, yeah, she's hot. And I'm like, okay, cool. Continue on with my life. And then that would happen more often and more often. And uh, I think it was my best friend. She's like, are you going to come out of the closet or what? I'm like, what? Did she ask <laughs> you that really? Yeah. She was teasing me, obviously. Yeah. But we have been friends for before my brain even turned on, you know, like forever. And so... I remember thinking, oh shit, I probably need to talk to my husband about this. (laughs) Yeah. How did that conversation go? Well, at the time I thought that I was just bisexual and that's what I wanted to tell him. I just wanted to like get it out in the open so we can just, it be known. I can send him these funny videos. And again, we were not having sex. So I thought that maybe this is what I needed to be in touch with who I was. And at the time, like I identified as what they call like a demisexual, which means that takes you like a really long time to sleep with somebody. So Christopher was my best friend for like three months. We were hanging out every single day. 
my best friend was getting jealous because I kept calling him my best friend. I was like, well, I guess maybe I should date him because like we're friends, we're great friends. And they say that makes the best relationship. So here we are. (laughs) And, you know, I told him that I didn't want anything to change. I just think I'm bisexual. And that conversation ended up being so emotional. I started crying and I, I was having a lot of anxiety like leading up to this point and I started seeing a therapist and I still felt anxious. Like I felt relief and I felt good about that. And he was like, do you want to have a girlfriend? I'm like, no, I just wanted to tell you, you know, it was baby steps. <laughs> and then I realized that still like I did not want him to touch me, kiss me, hug me, you know, and I felt bad for him. I was like, I want him to get the affection that he needs, deserves, wants. And I realized that it wasn't going to be me. And at the same time, I realized that I am more attracted to women than I thought I was. And I told him that I think, not I think, I'm lesbian. It makes all the sense. And for him too, he's like, well, it all makes sense now. Like, all the problems, you know, all the things. And I'm like, oh, you know, that took me a little while. (laughs) It was the process, I'm sure, to have that conversation with him. Yeah. And you know, too, like growing up just in the South, (laughs) you know, it's Florida, but it's like a different kind of South. I didn't have a lot of representation. And, you know, it was also kind of spoken about like lesbians were like a bad thing, you know? And so, Again, people pleasing probably just didn't want to like stray from this, you know, and I I would break up with people like left and right. Like the connection was never there. And I remember turning to Christopher and I was like, I really want to know if I can truly have a connection with a woman that I feel like I've been missing like my whole life now. He like helped me download the apps, you know, and he's like, should you put a picture of me in there? Cause we weren't like separated yet, you know, and the more he was trying to be a part of it, the more I didn't want him to be. I'm like, no, I'm like this. I'm like, you need to find someone. I need to find someone, but we don't hate each other. So I was like, let's still live together in this house and raise our children. You know, he has his own room. We have our own room and it's really been working out this way. It's amazing. So you have what you call, and it's it's true. It's not even what you call it. You have a very modern family. Christopher lives with you. Maddie lives with you. Maddie's expecting. So like, let's talk about that. My other question too is, is Chris seeing anyone right now? Yeah. So he has a girlfriend. She's not as interested in being in the limelight (laughs) like we are. And I get it. I get it. Right. Like if you would have thrown me into it without building up to where we are, I get it. So she's a little more private and that's totally fine. But they've been together for like six months or something like that. She also has a child, so she doesn't live with us. We, d- we don't have like the space for another, you know, as of now. But yeah, totally dating. And so when I met Maddie, she told me that she wanted to be a mom. And I was like, okay, that's great. I have two kids. You take one. I take one. So <laughs> <laughs> done. Perfect deal. Yeah. She- And, but no, she like really wants to be a mom. And so like after our second date, I felt chemistry that I had never felt before. And I didn't meet Maddie right after Christopher and I separated romantically. 
I waited like four months to even go on a date because I really wanted to be selfish for like the first time in my life ever. So then I meet Maddie and fall head over heels in love with her. Literally like instantly we kissed and I felt fireworks. And I I really thought that movies like romantic comedies were stupid because nobody feels that when they kiss someone. Until now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. So it's like funny when people like don't understand people being gay. Like, yeah, if you don't understand it, then you don't have to be gay. That's totally fine. But like as someone who tried to be straight (laughs) for so long. For a long time. Yeah. That doesn't work. (laughs) So she wants to be a mom. And I thought that would, she was like actively searching for donors and stuff online. It's really intimidating to pick sperm on the internet. That makes sense. (laughs) And so I thought, how crazy would it be if Christopher was the donor, right? Like in a perfect world, like, you know, we don't break up, we fall in love, we want to be in each other's lives forever, forever, and our kids are related. We raise the kids together, you know, and if at some point Christopher does move out, you know, like we'll still swap kids at the same weekends, you know, just like kind of makes the most sense. And Christopher really wants a daughter. So <laughs> oh, do you know the, do you know the sex of the baby? No, we, I didn't think so. I was going to yeah, say, no. I thought you guys were keeping it a secret. Yeah, no, we, we don't know either. We're just waiting until the baby comes out. <laughs> but yeah, so Christopher, we asked him like six months later, you know, really waited to see if this was going to work out. And he said, yes. How was that conversation? How did that go? Did you so, like sit him down and you're like, hey, Chris, we got an idea. So actually, I decided that it would probably be best if I asked him by myself because he's really comfortable with me. And I didn't want him to feel pressured by her since he doesn't know her. The same like people pleasing thing that we've you know been talking about. And I, he could tell me no. And I, I actually said that there's something I want to talk to you about. The look on his face, like he turned white. He's like, he thought I was going to ask him to move out. And I was like, no, no. I'm like, it's actually the opposite. I'm like, do you want to be the father of my girlfriend's baby? (laughs) 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 No, from high to low. So I think that really helped like the trajectory of his decision, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I told him actually, don't answer now. Let's talk about it in two weeks, you know, just like take your time. And so finally we're like, Hey, did you come to a conclusion? (laughs) It's been like weeks, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, okay. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so we did it. We wanted to try the like at home method, which means that we, there's a kit called Moisey baby, which means that it comes with like a syringe and you just put the specimen inside (laughs) and it worked. Yeah, it did work. It only took us four tries. Maddie actually has PCOS, so tracking her periods is actually complicated. But I told her, I was like, it took me three tries, and I don't have PCOS. So I was like, we did, we had to, we nailed it. That's actually really impressive. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And she, that month, I remember she was telling me she was getting really, you know, like sad, like she really wants a baby. Like, like I get it. I've, I've been there. And, I said, well, it's not over yet until you get your period. Like we, you know, just it's, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. Yeah. And so I looked at her one day and she just came home from working like a 12 hour shift at the hospital. And I'm like, you are glowing. And that she, at the time, she definitely thought I was like just smoozing her or yeah, whatever. But she was like legit glowing. Like, you know that she looked different. And so we discussed like 
not finding out the gender at this point before she found out she was pregnant. And I swear it was like the next day she took a test and it was positive, but it had been negative every day up until that point. Yeah, yeah. And we joke about it now because like, I don't know if you know you're pregnant, then you can make that decision, you know, cause you're just like so excited and you want to know, but because she didn't know yet, you know, it like, it, she agreed to it. I'm like, you still want to do it? And she's like, yeah. Oh, so cute. And you guys just threw a really cool party. Yeah, I did a, a baby shower for her, spent like six hours decorating, <laughs> creating stuff. And she just found out that I actually didn't have a baby shower. She's like, what do you mean you didn't have one? I'm like, what do you mean you didn't yeah, have one? I just one. like, with my first, I was so nervous about having, I had a miscarriage before Elliot that I was going to miscarry. And I didn't want to celebrate something that didn't happen yet, right? Like I was just, yeah, sure. I was a hot mess. And so by the second child, I had everything. I'm like- it's fine. I have all the stuff. It's another boy. So we literally need nothing, but it kind of makes it even more special. You know, like I really loved doing that for her. I love that you did. I loved the decorations when I watched you because you recently did a TikTok about them. Yeah. And when you did the decorations, I was like, oh my God, that must've taken her forever. That was literally what I thought. And actually- I thought to myself, that's true love. <laughs> take the time to put together the de- decorations the way that you did. I don't know if I would really do that for just about anybody. <laughs> yeah, I just really wanted her to feel special, you know, and her love languages is definitely like acts of service. So that definitely spoke to her. <laughs> oh, I mean, that was true, true love. When, when it- <laughs> She's due... May 21st. Oh, we're almost there. Yeah, it's funny. My book is March 21st and then she's May 21st. So it's, I have to like M and 21st get my letters yep. straight. It's special. Maybe the baby could have an M name. Yeah. Like she does. Yeah, we're trying to go with really unisex names. We have like a couple on our list that we really love for boys and girls. So we'll just see. She wants to see the baby and then make the decision. Yeah, that makes sense. I totally get it. Keep it a secret until then. So now you have the insight on helping a postpartum mom. So like what advice would you give Maddie in – May once she has the baby. Even even before. Even uh, before, yeah. Pregnancy support has been a big deal. <laughs> I could imagine. You know, because we're both very present and we've been talking about like parenting styles, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I never had that conversation before I had kids, you know, but me and her have really talked about, I think, everything under the moon before the baby has even gotten here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as one should, right? I feel like that alone, you know, getting her expectations aligned with reality and giving her the words to help her identify her own feelings that she's going through and what it might look like afterwards. Just the whole thing. Like I've been through it and I'm supportive and present. And, you know, it's just like, It's crazy to have someone, a birthing partner who has been through it before, recently. (laughs) And and physically, not even just like, you know, like like, in a heteronormative like relationship where it's like, oh, a guy's been married and he has kids already. It's like, like, no, no, like you've actually given birth. (laughs) Yeah, two times. (laughs) And so 
I joke about making a book, like how to be a dad. <laughs> how to be a dad. <laughs> it's true. I think that's the sequel to the mom yeah. life. You know, the main thing that we keep going back to, especially when her own anxieties get larger than life, is I just keep telling her that we take it one day at a time and we're going to be flexible with ourselves and our expectations, right? Because that is what I struggled with the most was understanding that my expectations of what this was going to look like made me enjoy it a lot less. (laughs) And so, you know, she gets really worked up sometimes about like, making sure they eat all the things and where are they going to go to college? And I'm like, Maddie, I'm like, we have a three and a five-year-old today and we're going to have a newborn and we're going to take them each day that they're here each day. Like every day is different. They change constantly. We evolve with them and we're going to be flexible. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the biggest, most important words as parents to, to have in our vocabulary, right? Is, is flexibility. It's the no going back to the beginning of the episode, right? It's the no and it's the flexibility. I think those are two of our key takeaways. Just like so funny because I thought that like being a yes mom was a good thing and being strict and telling, you know, like doing all these things that we don't really do anymore with our kids. Like, you know, the yelling and punishing and, you know, like all the stuff that we all obviously slip up and do it from time to time, but just in general, right? Like, you know, she wanted to be like a super strict parent. I'm like, okay, let me introduce you to something else. <laughs> Send her a few TikToks and articles and she's on board. <laughs> yeah. Here, meet some of our other conscious parenting friends. Right. Yeah. Who may be able to help you. And it's funny because we, again, have these parenting conversations. Like we got into even like nice heated debates about them before the baby even gets here. Right. And she's mm-hmm. like, this could be all null and void by the time the baby gets here. I'm like, yeah, I know. But Doing the legwork now ensures that we don't have to have these heated conversations later while we're sleep deprived and hurting and upset and, you know, like all the things that we feel. And so really, I've spilled obviously my guts on every possible topic to her at this point. What is happening is that she's reading books and seeing TikToks and following podcasts that align with everything I've said to her. And I'm like, That really makes my job easy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's true. I mean, nowadays, it's so different from how it was years ago. And when my son was was born 10 years ago, it was like we didn't have nearly a fraction of all the information out that we do today. And so I'm so glad that she is reading up on it so that she can make the decisions for herself and feel confident in her decisions as she's managing those expectations. Right. Yeah. So we're like doing all this, the hard, the hard mental work before the baby even gets here. Yeah. I love it. She still thinks the baby is going to sleep through the night on the first night and we're working on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Keep working on that one, Linda. (laughs) Keep working on that one, Maddie. Linda Fruits, tell everyone where we can find you and your beautiful book, The Mom Life. You can find me on every single social media platform under Fruits of Motherhood or just my regular old name, Linda Fruits. (laughs) And my book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere that you already purchase your favorite books. I love it. I can't wait to listen to the audiobook. Honestly, I genuinely loved recording that. Like that was so much fun. So much fun. And I definitely tell it like with a lot of enthusiasm. Good. 
good. Oh, I can't wait to listen. Because like I said, I've already read it, but it's totally different when you get the opportunity to listen to a book by the author. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You're the best, Linda. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Tara. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another Modern Mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.